This is episode number 411 with VP of Strategic Analytics at JP Morgan Chase, Jennifer Cooper. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, everybody. Super pumped to have you back here on the show. Today, we've got a very special guest, Jennifer Cooper, joining in from Dallas, Texas. And uh, Jennifer is the VP of Strategic Analytics and Auto Risk at JP Morgan uh, Chase & Co. And also, you may have heard of Jennifer, even interacted with Jennifer before, because she is super active in the data science community. Uh, she helps out a lot of people on LinkedIn. People message her with, for career advice, for mentorships, for um, understanding how to structure their career. Uh, she tries to reply as much as she can. She even catches up with people on Zoom calls. She uh, connects with people on conferences. She's attended multiple, I think four or three of the Data Science Go events that we've hosted. She's taken numerous uh, in the dozens of courses on Data Science and she's also very active on those. Um, basically a very, very active person in the data science community and somebody who's always here to help. And finally, we uh, got together to record this podcast. It was a, it was a really cool podcast. And one of the things that you will learn, one of the big things that you will find out about, definitely something I learned for myself new, is about a new type or a different type of analytics role that I didn't know much about. And it's called like the broad name for this role is an analytics support function. And that's something that Jennifer does in her role. So an analytics support function is like business intelligence, but not um, business intelligence where you know what you will be doing, where you know what kind of uh, visualizations or charts or um, uh, insights you need to provide on, on a day-to-day basis. It's an ad hoc um business intelligence where people come up to you and say, we need this, we need this, specifically executives, specifically for board meetings, for uh, decision-making processes, uh, for for things like that. So a different kind of uh, analytics where you need different kind of skills. And in this podcast, you'll understand what this role is, what skills are required, and we'll talk specifically about things like understanding the business and customers, thinking outside the data, the keys to success in an analytics support function, working with executives, uh, how to find an analytics support function type of role if after this podcast you're interested in specifically this role and it interests you, the the uh, mix of skill sets and type of work that you need to be doing, what to look out for on the job descriptions and how to uh, f- spot these types of roles in the market. Um, we'll be talking also about uh, networking, continuous learning. And then later on in the podcast, we'll also touch on virtual events. You'll find out a bit about Data Science Go Virtual and what to look forward to there. And you'll get some advice if you're just starting out your career. So this podcast is going to be super helpful for you if you are deciding where to take your data science career and you want to know as many different types of careers that exist in this space. This is going to be a new one, a unique one in uh, 400 plus episodes on this podcast. 
well, 200 plus episodes with guests. We haven't had a guest who's been uh, in a role like this, who has uh, described a role like this in such detail. So I'm very excited to bring this to you. So if you're just starting out into the space of data science or you're looking where to direct your career into data science, or you're looking to maybe adjust a little bit, this is a great podcast for you. And uh, yeah, so that's what we'll be talking about. Can't wait for you to hear this episode. Without further ado, let's get started. And I bring to you Jennifer Cooper, VP of Strategic Analytics at JP Morgan Chase & Co. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast, everybody. Super excited to have you back here on the show. And today we've got a very special guest calling in from Dallas, Texas. Jennifer, how are you today? I'm great, Carol. Thank you. How are you? Very good, thanks. Um, and uh, it's awesome to finally have you on the podcast. It's, it feels like we've known each other for years. I know. I'm. I'm really excited about. It. I feel like I've. I've kind of. I'm coming full circle being on here because it all kind of started with you. At least the data science. No way. The do. Data, no, the <laughs> recent. My recent data science journey. I feel like kind of started with you. So this is a full circle moment for me. Okay, wow, that's I didn't know that. I I knew that um I remember you like super excited at the first data science go. What was it like 2017? 2018 was the first one. The first one you went to was 2018? 2018. I I I listened in on the 2017 one. Like you had it like oh, okay. you had like an audio stream available and so I would like listen yeah, in yeah. from time to time. Um but yeah, the 2018 was my first in-person um okay, experience. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so then uh, we caught up there. Um, and since then, your career has, I'm not attributing this to Data Science Go uh, or to like our work in any way. I've just observed your career go, you know, through the roof and uh, like the things you've done in Data Science. So it's been really exciting. Um, but yeah, so tell, tell me, like, how, when did you start into Data Science? I don't think I've ever asked you this question. Yeah, so. I mean, I've been doing data analytics now for, for several years. I guess my data analytics track started back in 2006, uh, working uh -huh. within the auto finance industry, uh, with the exception of a, a two or three different opportunities that I took with companies like McKesson and FedEx. But um, the data science aspect of my journey, or what I consider the, you know, more of the more recent data science uh, aspect, started in 2016. And uh -huh. so my company was going through some layoffs at the time and was really struggling a little bit. So I kind of took this sort of self-reflective moment and I figured I needed to take a look at my own career and figure out where I wanted to go just in case something was going to happen. I wanted to be prepared. And I started looking at what was happening in, in terms of trends, in terms of what was happening with you know analytics and data and just all the buzz that was happening around data science. And I don't know, I was just doing, I guess, a search on the internet. And I came across your name. I came mm. across your podcast and I started listening to it and it all just kind of took off from there. And then I found out about Data Science Go uh, 2017, just kind of listening in on that that first one. And then I had the opportunity to, uh, I took your Expertify Tableau co course. Oh, A lot of okay. people don't know about Expertify. Yeah. But I started, I took your Expertify Tableau course and I was like, whoa, Carol is so cool. Super Data <laughs> Science is so awesome. I was I mean, everybody I knew was just like getting so tired of me talking about data science. They were just like, who is this Carol guy? And why are you talking so much <laughs> about super data science? And and I just, I, I started selling people on Expertify and Tableau. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm, a, I'm officially obsessed with data science. And so from there, 
Um, yeah, I attended the 2018 Data Science Go in person, and I I I felt like a groupie. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, there's Carol, and I was I don't even know if you remember, but I came up to you. The music was going, and everybody was excited. It was the first day; they were the first official morning. I came in the day before for the for the classes or for the, the, the workshops. workshops, but but the first time I saw you, I was just like, oh my gosh, where is my I had your uh, I had your confident data skills book, and I was just like, I've got to get this this signed by him. And I mean, everybody was like coming in, and you were just trying to keep everybody, you know, coming in the door. And I mean, I'm I, later on, you gave everybody an opportunity to sign, but I didn't even I didn't even know if that was going to happen. So I said, I'm going to get this done right now. So I ran up to you, and you were just so nice, and you signed signed the book, and and I just thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm meeting Kirill Armenko. I mean, I was just it was just crazy. Uh. I, it was like being at my first rock concert. So, oh yeah, my god, yeah. <laughs> Jennifer, I'm like so so <laughs> blushing right now. Thank you very much for the the compliments. It's oh, uh, I feel I feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> I, <laughs> oh gosh. Um, well, it's 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 definitely a, it's it's not meant to make you feel that way. I I just I think a lot of people have really appreciated what you've done for you know for the data science for the field of data science. There's been so much you know, confusion around what it even means. And I love like your podcast, just, you know, let's make the complex simple. Like that is just that mantra I think is so sorely needed. And I think that's why so many people gravitate towards you. At least that's why I gravitated towards you. Just hearing that, okay, I don't have to be this, you know, Einstein, you know, I can just take what I've learned in analytics and I can, you know, I can just use this, this new, this new coursework and these new relationships and these, this podcast to just build on what I already know. I mean, that's what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for, you know, this whole new field of, of data science or become to become a full stack data scientist. I just thought I need to know these things. I need to I need to keep these skills up that I have and develop these new relationships and and network through LinkedIn and these you know data science go so that I can continue to keep my career on the right trajectory. And so that's that's really you know where i'm at today it's it's really brought me to where i am at, at this point and, and i'm i feel very thankful and what i love about you jennifer is that you never stopped you as you said you started in 2016 and if like i went into linkedin just before the podcast to have a look and the amount of certificates that you have from uh, the, the like a numerous var variety of different sources whether it's super data science or uh udemy or um LinkedIn Learning or Dedicated Academy and so on, like just like boom, boom, boom. And moreover, like they're not, they're not super, they're not dated, just old certificates. They're like brand new. Like I know Kate Strachan released her Dedicated Academy course on data visualization uh, best practices, I think in June, July. And you already have that certificate. Like you've already done that course. Yeah. You're yep. even wearing her jumper right now. Which... <laughs> Okay. Okay. Go, Kate. Um, so yeah, that's very impressive. And I've met a lot of people over the years who uh, got inspired to get into data science, whether it's you know from a book or podcast or a course or a friend, uh, and did a bit, and then and then their interest uh, tempered off, uh, tapered off, or or they found what they were looking for and they got good at it, and they didn't feel they need to do more courses. What is what is different in your case? Why did you continue? It's been four years and you're still doing courses. You're still learning. You're still growing all the time. Um, what keeps you going? Well, it's just kind of part of my DNA. 
I mean, I've always been, when I was younger, I was always pushed by my dad to be, you know, not just do anything halfway, um, to really throw myself into stuff. Um, I've always been extremely goal oriented. Um, and so being that way has caused me or has, has led me to be the kind of person that every so often I, I'm very self-reflective. I take a lot of time to look at where I'm at. And just by the very nature of being an analyst, I don't know if this is a curse or a blessing sometimes, but I'm forced to, <laughs> I look at things in a different way. I look th- at things on a deeper level. And so I just realized, like I said, for example, back in 2016, that I needed to continuously look at, you know, where am I at, from, like from a gap analysis perspective, right? So so am I strategically accomplishing what I need to in my career at this point? What, what do I do? All the different what-if scenarios. What if my company lays me off? You know, what do I need to do in terms of continuing to keep my skills up? You know, what can what strategically makes sense? So since I was doing data uh, and marketing at the same time, I had to think about both of those tracks. So what makes me that way? Like I said, it's just it's just it's just part of who I am. I think I think the minute you start, you get to the point where you think you don't need to learn anymore, then then you've got a you've got a bigger problem than you probably realize because mm-hmm. there's just there's just no way to know it all, Carol. There's just no way. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the, in our field, it's just constantly changing, constantly morphing. Um, and even in your specific area, if you want to be a, a subject matter expert, you've got to keep up with everything that's happening in your field. Um, it could be, um, you know, keeping up with what's happening in, in, with your competitors. You know, it's so important just to, just to keep up with the news and current events. And, you know, like I have a Google alert that I have to different set up for different things. And so I'll get alerts that come in on our customers, on our partners that I work with at work. Um, I'll get market research on different topics that I'm interested in. So, you know, I hope that answers your question. I mean, I just, it's just who I am, but I think for people who may be struggling with it, I think it's important just to adopt that continuing continuous learning mentality. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that later when I, when I make my recommendation for a book, but um, I think it's it's sometimes it's just a matter of of developing a different way of thinking, a different mm-hmm. mental model for how you approach the world. And uh, yeah, so that's I'm happy to talk more about that um, at some point. Awesome, awesome. Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying this amazing episode. And uh, we've got a quick announcement, and we'll get straight back to it. And the announcement is that Data Science Go Virtual number two is in town. It's happening on October 24th, 25th this year. And you can get your tickets today at datasciencego.com virtual. And the best part, it's absolutely free. We've got some amazing speakers, amazing workshops for you to attend. And of course, the super cool part is that we've got networking. There'll be several 30-minute speed networking sessions where for 30 minutes you connect with a random data scientist from another part of the world, or maybe from your part of the world, you get to chat for three minutes. If you like each other, if you want to connect, you hit the connect button, you stay in touch. This was by far one of the top features of Data Science Go virtual number one. So many people got such great connections, stayed in touch, and some crazy stories came out of that. So we're gonna repeat it, and we want you to connect with your fellow data scientists. Once again, it's absolutely free. Register for your ticket today at datasciencego.com virtual. And I'll see you there. And now let's get back to this episode. That's a that's a cool um, thing. Like I guess it, it comes naturally to some people, and others uh, probably need to consciously first develop that habit of uh, of learning. And especially in a space like data science, where things are changing all the time, you might think you 
know everything you need to know, but uh, you just don't know what's new, what's out there, what's come out, and if you're going to enjoy it or not. So, yeah, that will be cool. Um, let's talk a bit about what you do. Like, we chatted just before the podcast, uh, like, how to how to uh, frame it the best way, because it's an interesting, specific type of data science. Like, you have experience in risk analytics and marketing and sales before that and uh, analytics. And I think we both agreed that the best way to kind of present your expertise in the space of analytics is uh, an, an analytics support function. How would you um, describe what an analytics support function is? Yeah, so basically at a high level, I consider myself kind of a hybrid analyst. Mm -hmm. So I've done a lot of different types of, of, or I've worked in different facets of the organization, whether it's been on the front end working with sales and support, you know, marketing um, or operations and risk, for example, in the, in the industry that I'm in. Um, within, uh, within my current role, um, I am responsible for, um, not so much the sales and marketing anymore, but examining our policies as it relates to, um, how we, uh, go about approving loans for our customers. So I, like you said, I can't get into a lot of specifics on what I do, but I can tell you that, you know, I'm still working from, I still have to use kind of that marketing mindset. And that's one of the reasons they hired me into this role is because they needed somebody that could get in front of the team, that could get in front of people and talk about things. And so I've had a lot of experience working with executives, um, under, trying, trying to understand the business problem and then, um, you know, looking at our policies, looking at, um, you know, our programs and our products. Um, again, this goes back to my past too, and trying to um, either build the right business case to uh, create a new program or to create a new product in the space of, of auto finance, for example, or, um, you know, sometimes just, like I said, supporting our business executives with putting together a presentation. Um, maybe it's for our board of directors or something. But um, in terms of that support function that you talk about, that's really what it is. It's, it's this wide, it's this idea of providing, you know, this wide breadth of support as needed ad hoc projects. Uh, it could be, I, I mean, if I, had a dollar for every task on the fly just to pull to pull some data. Um, I need this for this next meeting in two hours, or I need this by the end of the day. You know, sometimes looking at, you know, what we did last month in terms of sales, sometimes it's a deep dive into, like I said, a specific policy. Is this policy still start serving us right? Are we, do we still have the right risk reward balance? Are we, are we, do we need to tweak, do we need to tweak this particular area right here, this particular lever? Maybe it's, you know, how much we're charging for a loan uh, versus, you know, uh, what we're actually seeing in terms of sales, are we are we balancing that risk? And so when we talk about credit risk and we talk about the area that I work in, you know, even though it's it's you know a very broad a broad area, like I said, credit risk, there are all of these different aspects underneath it. And so you you need somebody uh, like myself, for example, that has that wide breadth of of experience because you never know when an executive is going to want to just sell a business case. Maybe they need to make a, a pr presentation to their board of directors. Maybe they need to have a deep dive into a particular program or product to make sure that's still working for us. Um, so it's it's it covers a wide area of things across sales, marketing, operations as it relates to supporting that credit risk function. Mm -hmm. uh, Gartner has the analytic value escalator uh, chart, right? So, which is uh, descriptive, diagnostic analytics, predictive, and prescriptive, right? Descriptive is what what happens. 
diagnostic why it happened, predictive uh, what will happen, and prescriptive what do we need to do to make it happen or not make it not happen. So I think you mentioned before the podcast that yours falls mostly into descriptive and diagnostic. Is that right? Correct. Correct. That would be fair to say. Awesome. And um, and typically the way we think about descriptive and diagnostic analytics uh, is a business intelligence function, right? So somebody working in Tableau, Power BI, ClickSense, uh, or you know tools like that, um, creating reports on a daily, weekly basis. That's that's a typical way you imagine a um, person or or the, a role working in uh, descriptive diagnostic analytics or business intelligence. What I really like about yours is that something that hasn't come up on uh, on the podcast before is yours is not just a traditional routine um, business intelligence, which is which is a great role to be in, and you can develop some amazing tools and charts, and there's always new projects to. Uh, develop further reports, but yours is really ad hoc business intelligence and uh, uh, getting these deep dives. You don't know what's going to come tomorrow, right? So you have to be on your feet. Give us some some insights. You already gave us some some insights into like what kind of requests you get um, because you know like uh, whether it's a deep dive or a presentation for the board of directors, and you have to put together that for your for the executives plus uh, put a story into it so there's some storytelling skills you know the translation of um uh, analytics insights into uh, layman terms and things things like that um but tell us a bit about what is it that you need to constantly be um like on top of all the time in order to be successful in your role? Like, what are the, the top three keys to success in your role? Let's imagine somebody is listening to this podcast and thinking, wow, this sounds like an interesting role, something that I would enjoy. You know, like, you don't have to do those uh, machine learning, pre- very uh, predictive or prescriptive analytics, things like that. It's also a type of business intelligence, but there's al- always this variety, always this uh, hunt for adventure, something uncertainty, which which somebody some people enjoy a lot. Like, what are the keys to success in a role like that? Well, the top thing that comes to mind is definitely business acumen. So, you know, you hear a lot of talk around, you know, in data science that, you know, there there's a big gap or a big, um, you know, I guess I don't want to use the word concern, but I think there's a lot of, of talk around the potential lack of soft skills with, with you know, freshers or, you know, new people coming into the space or people that may be struggling a little bit to advance in their career, I would definitely say, you know, getting as comfortable as you can with every aspect of the business. And that may sound silly because let's say you're just a BI guy or a BI gal, you mm-hmm. know, working in a small startup and maybe your particular area is healthcare. Well, that's great, but you, you've got to learn to think out. I call it thinking outside the data. Mm-hmm. Hashtag think outside nice, the data. Nice, I like it. Right. You've got to learn to think about first, frame the problem. But even even above that is where what is the state of your industry? What are the main problems and challenges that are that are happening around you? And how how are those influencing the day-to-day operations in your business? So getting and that's not something that you learn overnight. That's not that that's taken me years to feel like I'm comfortable talking about. And even when I join a new company, like in my current role, there's there's still this this steep learning curve, for example, around 
prime, prime finance. Like I've been doing subprime auto finance for about 14 years. Now I've got to learn all about prime finance. So it's, it's constantly staying on. And that goes back to what you said earlier, too, Carol. There's, we just never stop learning. You've got to understand things at a higher level. You've got to just adopt that mentality of I better keep on top of my industry. I better know my business. I better know my products, my programs. And more importantly, at the end of the day, I know even if you're not a customer facing person, this may be hard to understand, but you need to understand your customers. Uh-huh. Why are you in business? Uh-huh. What, what, what are you really selling? Uh-huh. And just understand how your role relates to those larger ideas. Mm-hmm. Secondly, okay. I would, mm-hmm. I would, secondly, I would say, um, from an analytics perspective, you know, it's, it's understanding that, um, it's understanding that you're not going to have all the answers. So you're going to have to do a lot of legwork yourself. Executives are very rarely going to tell you exactly what they need. <laughs> mm-hmm. A lot of times they're going to come to you and they're going to say, hey, I, I, this is what I think I need to solve this problem. Or this is what I think the question is that I'm trying to answer. But a lot of times it becomes an iterative process where you might pull a little bit of data. And then when you present that information, you realize, oh, wait, this, the business question is really this, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. I know what and you're so, talking about. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Yes, it happens all the time. So it's a very, so realizing upfront that it's a very iterative process, it's going to be frustrating at times. There is no easy button. Um, there's a lot of joking about that too, right? There's no easy, you know, and there's different ways to solve a problem. That, that further exacerbates, or I guess it could be a, you know, a blessing, right? So everybody has a different way of approaching a problem. So understanding that, that, that you're not going to have all the answers, that's the second thing, that you, it's okay to ask a lot of questions. And you may have to go outside your comfort zone. Um, you know, you may have to bring in third-party data. You may not be able, be able to get everything you need from that, that transactional data. And I think thirdly, um, I think it's just, I think it's just recognizing again that, um, you know, that continuous learning mentality, like we talked about, that it's, it's, it's okay to admit that you don't know how to do something and that you need to have some extra time to go off and, you know, learn this skill or, you know, make sure that you work with your manager or whoever it is that you're supporting to, um, let them understand, Hey, I may not be the best person to do this particular, to do this particular project, but I know who to talk to in the company to get it done. So that all, that also kind of gets into networking a little bit too. That networking isn't isn't just something you do outside the company; it's something you do within the company. Learning who can do, who does what, and that you really work in a collaborative environment, and understanding how important that is to get your job done is really critical as well. So I hope I answered that. That you asked for three things. I kind of didn't have that that ready, but I think that hopefully that answers. That's your good. You you gave it yeah, before. Yeah. So number one is understanding the business and customers, and thinking outside the data. Uh, I love that hashtag. Maybe we should name this episode "Thinking Outside the Data." <laughs> um, number two, we'll have to do. You'll have to do a lot of legwork yourself. It's an iterative process. Number three, that continuous learning because don't expect to do everything when you're thrown into different questions all the time, into different um, uh, scenarios. Eventually, you will come across something you don't know how to do. So be prepared and be open about that. And you even gave a fourth one, which is. Um, no networking within the company, especially for big companies like yours, right? Uh, so the, where you're working, uh, you with thousands of employees, right? Um, you need to know, like, there may be somebody who already has the answer, right? Just by knowing that person, you'd be able to to avoid redoing the work. Um, 
I wanted to ask you, you mentioned time when in the, in the third one, continuous learning. How do you know, like if somebody comes to you, like an executive or a ma- your manager comes to you and says, uh, Jennifer, could you please uh, get us like a deep dive into these uh, prime mortgage, uh, prime uh, auto financing loans and uh, what, what has been happening in the past three months? Um, how long will it take you? How do you know if it's not a standard thing you do on a day-to-day basis? How do you know what time frame to give that person? Because executives like to know the deadline, right? Like, or they give you a deadline. Like, how do you know how long it will take you? How do you estimate that? Well, first of all, from my experience, they always want it immediately. Everything is top priority. <laughs> yesterday. Everything is top priority. Yeah. They want it yesterday. So, you know, I always ask, and they always kind of laugh. I always ask, when do you need this? And they, yeah. I mean, I'm, te- I'm telling you, they always kind of give a chuckle. Well, of course I need it yesterday. I need it today. <laughs> and so I just, okay. And so my next question to kind of address what you're saying is I, I say, okay, well, what is this going to be used for? Uh-huh. What is this? Is there a meeting happening next week? Is this something that, you know, um, you've got to have for a presentation on Monday and that's why it's so urgent. So kind of drilling down a little bit helps. But what I've also discovered, Carol, and I don't hmm. know if this is, if, if it's like this at every company. But a lot of times my boss will have an email that he got a week ago, <laughs> but then he finds out on his calendar, he's got the pop-up or the notification that he's got the meeting tomorrow. He's like, oh crap, uh-huh. I better get this done. Yeah. And so he's like peeing Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer, can you get this done in two hours? Sure. Yeah. No problem. Let me just pull out my easy button, <laughs> you know? And so a, a lot of times that's, that's just reality, right? Yeah. So, you, you know, it, it's, it is what it is, but, um, but yeah, I don't, I mean, there's, there's just no, there's no easy answer. I don't, I, you know, I don't, I, <laughs> yeah. So, so what's, what's been the, the, the craziest story you've been in where like somebody needs it urgently, but you realize that there's no way of getting this urgently. Like I need to get this data set, I need to go this one, I need to go and ask this person, like, you know, it's going to take you three, four days, maybe a week, but they need it tomorrow. Like, what do you do in those cases? Do you have a story like that? Uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, almost every, every time I've worked with an executive, it's not so much at the managerial level, but a lot of times it's at an executive level. Um, I know in my former company, um, or my previous company, uh, because it was very, very small, I was working a lot with our C-level executives and the way C-level executives think is they, and I, if I had a dollar for every time I've heard this line, they say, oh, this should, this should be something easy for you to put together, right? <laughs> All you have to do is do this and this and this. And I'm like, sure, no problem. So in terms of stories, I mean, I think, you know, I, a company was having problems, you know, and, and they were looking for, for where, you know, which stories they should go into and which, you know, where they should put their sales reps and who they should hire to do to backfill certain territories. You know, it was, there was a lot of, that we needed to do or that I needed to do around understanding what we did in the past. You know, what, what did we do? Because we had laid off a bunch of salespeople and we had the opportunity to bring them back. And I said, well, the first thing we do is go back and look at how they performed in their territories when they were here before. Right. We need to figure uh-huh. out were they the right people in their ter- in those territories? You know, we're, you know, can we put them back in the same area or do we need to have a different person there? Are we even going to get the same business out of that territory now? This was like two or three years ago. And this is, you know, there's been a lot of change in our industry since then in terms of subprime. We've seen FICO scores actually improve. People are saving money now, especially with COVID. So anyway, long story short, you know, that 
at that particular moment, it was, we just need to get this thing done. We just need to forecast what we need so we can start hiring people. We need to start bringing them in now. And I said, no, 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 we need more time to really, because if you're going to hire, if you're going to bring on full-time people, especially people that you had with the company before, you don't want to bring them back and have to lay them off again six months later. (laughs) Right. So it was really, it was, you know, it's, and again, it's, it's not being afraid to push back because yeah. you're, you're, you're going to have, you're going to have situations where executives in particular, they think very quickly, they think it's going to be easy, but they want to also hear, they want to hear, the, they want you to be honest about what you can actually do within that time frame. So sometimes it's just, it, sometimes it's not telling them, Hey, I can't do this or I need more time. Sometimes it's asking them, can I just get what do you need to, to be able to make this decision on this aspect of the project by tomorrow, uh-huh. right? So maybe they don't need the final answer the next 24 hours, but it would be nice to know for this particular state that we do business in, what has our what have our sales been like? And at the time that we did have a sales rep there, for example, what what were they what you know dealers in our in our case, what dealers were they working with? You know, how many visits were they making to that dealer each week? Did that result in, you know, a specific amount of, you know, applications coming in? So sometimes just asking them, what, what do they really need? And then ask, and then telling them, I can do this for you in the next 24 hours. This is what I can do for you in the next couple of days. Uh-huh. And then you're, con- you know, it's just, it's kind of a negotiation at that yeah, point. I was just you thinking. have to learn to have those skills. And sometimes they're just going to push back on you too. And they're going to say, I've got to have this. So you drop everything. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's learning to ask those questions of, and also saying, Hey, I, if I do this for you, I'm going to have to push this to the side. Yeah. And so that happens a lot where you just have to readjust your priorities and, and they know it. And then, and you know, it's just something that you have to do. I had, I've had, there's been times where I've had to work late hours, weekends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not always a glamorous job and there's a lot of just like exploratory data analysis. Just, you don't even know what you're going to run into. So you just start pulling data. Um, but a lot of times, you know, executives, I think they're open to things as long as you come back with a plan. They don't want to hear, I just can't do it. They want a solution. They want you to say, okay, this is what I can do for you in the next day or so, but I can't give you this until I know this, right? I have uh-huh. to pull this part of the data before I can get to even answer this first question. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I was just about to ask you, what do you do if you're inundated with these requests, but you already answered that, right? You got to make it clear to them that I already have these things. Do you want me to drop this? And then I can work on your on your thing. Um, in terms of negotiation, a fantastic book uh, by Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference, Negotiating Like Your Life Depends on It. Outstanding book by ex-FBI negotiating, uh, crisis negotiating person, and it's written like like in stories. Beautiful book, recommend to, like, if you haven't read it, and to everybody listening, because negotiation is a very important aspect, not just if you want to, like, get a promotion or a job, but also in, in these situations like this, right? Like, you got to be able to have empathy for the person and say, I understand you need it, but my hands are tied. You know, like I, I can do it for you, but I have to drop all these other things you asked me before. Because in that, if if you don't do that, if you just say keep saying yes, yes, yes all the time, you will like burn yourself out, end up working nights and weekends and probably drop a few balls along the way and uh, nobody's going to be happy about that. Neither you, your your mental state or the person you're delivering it for. Definitely. That's so important. Uh, the burnout is real. It does happen. And uh, it's so important to pace yourself and, and to uh, have have <laughs> have your own, uh, you know, mental health through through all of this as well. Mm. And, and, that, and I was also going to say, so 
sometimes it doesn't require always having to pull new data too. So they start to think when you're, when you're in, when you're starting out in the field and when you're just learning how to code and pull data, you know, maybe you want to, you want to have that practice every day, right? But you also need to get in the habit of thinking, you know, if I, if I do have a deadline, what can I pull off the shelf? Mm-hmm. It's already available. Um, saving your code, making sure that you've always got, you know, you've got some, some, something to follow in case you don't have time to produce a whole new report or a whole new, anal- um, you know, analysis is really important. So keep just, you know, understanding that where you've got that off the shelf information available to you is also important. Awesome. I think I have maybe one more question on this topic is how does the rest of the business, whether in the current business or your past business, uh, your past roles, um, how does the rest of the business see your role? Are they supportive? Uh, or are they like when they see you coming like oh no here comes jennifer again she's going to ask for more data um because like you're obviously working with lots of different functions you said operations maybe sales maybe marketing and you you got to have lots of requests to them and and requests come to you out of the blue you're going to pass on those requests or ask others for help out of the blue as well often so how do they see you and how do you build those relationships uh in the right way from the start that's a great question. So I, if I, and again, this depends on the level that you're at within a company, but at my level now I'm able to delegate some. So a lot of times my manager, because I have a tendency to want to take it all on myself and do it myself. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times he'll remind me, Hey, you need to go, you need to go work with our junior analyst on this and, and see if they can help you pull this data because they, they'd rather me be the one actually analyzing the results and putting together the presentation for the executive team. So that's one thing is, you know, being able to work with others, like you said, understanding who to go to. This goes back to what I said earlier. But in my case, having a junior analyst, being able to delegate some of that work is really important. How do they see me when they when I when I'm coming or when I'm, you know, when I'm asking for information? (laughs) I think it depends on how long you've been with a company, Um, you know, but in my case, a lot of my background has also been managing projects. So I'm the Mm -hmm. person that once the executives get to know me, they see that, ooh, I've had people actually say she can herd cats. (laughs) <laughs> like they use that phrase, she can get anything done. It's incredible how she can just take you know all this information and pull it together. And I don't know where I get that from. My my brother's actually a project, or he started as a project manager, and now he's a C level executive. So maybe it's just in our DNA. Um, my dad always used to tell us how to do things, so you know maybe I got that from him. But you know I'm I'm I've been called bulldog. I've been called you know like I said the ability to herd cats. So you know I, I think it's it's it's. It's just they they see this person that you know has this background of being able to come in and and know where know where to go, know how to talk to different people to get that done. Like you said, a lot of it takes finesse, a lot of it takes negotiation, but I think they see that as a good thing. I think they see that you know this is a person that needs information, and a lot of times, you know, if you're in an organization where people are talking collaborating, they probably already coming. They probably already know that this project is important, right? Because especially if it ties back to the organizational objectives, that they know your role and hopefully they know what you do. But if you, if they don't, you know, you take the time to get to know them. And this goes question about how important networking is. It's so critical to who the the people are that are the stakeholders within your within your department or organization. For for example, in my case, I know that there I'm starting to learn the people that are important. I'm I'm you know still fairly new to the company. But as I learn and as I run into these people in different meetings, I say, ooh, this person is the kind of person I need to go to if I have a question about this. This is the kind of person I need to go to if I'm, you know, if I have a, you know, an issue with this particular problem. So 
get to know those people early on in the process. When you have meetings, I, what I do is I go through and I look to see who's been invited. I look them up on LinkedIn. Oh. I look them up on LinkedIn, even, even in an internal meeting situation at work. Yeah. I look them up. I mean, a lot of times you do that when you're interviewing for a job, right? You know, you want to yeah. get to know who you're, who you're going to be talking to. I do that within my company. Uh-huh. I, I, before wow. I go to a meeting, I try to understand who's there. Is, you know, is this person a decision maker? Are they an executive director or are they more of my peer? Um, yeah. And I think also it's important, um, you know, if you know you're going to be working on a project together with someone so that they know you're coming, it goes back to what you said. You start to have those those discussions with people. Set up a 15-minute call with somebody. You know, set up a 15-minute call just to get to know someone. I call them meet and greets. You know, set up a time to talk to this person and get to know them and, and talk about the project. I'm really excited. This kind of veers off a little bit, but um, this next uh, month, I'll be doing my first hackathon. Mm. Um, I've judged I've judged one before, but I've never actually participated in one. Awesome. Our company is our company is sponsoring. It's called Riskathon 2.0. And mm-hmm. I'm really excited because it's cr- across the company. So last year they just had a, they had our India uh, folks doing it mm-hmm. because we have a large digital, uh, large data and analytics presence in India. But this year they're uh, bringing it uh, stateside, so a lot of people in the U.S. are going to be able to participate. So um, I've already decided, you know, now that I know who my, who's on my team, I've started setting up meetings with everybody. Mm-hmm. Like I don't wait. Like I'm just like that's just the way I'm wired. Like I don't mm-hmm. I don't wait for someone to come to me. So if you want to get ahead in an organization, this is some other advice for folks on the call. Don't wait for people to tell you what to do. Mm-hmm. If you see an opportunity, if you're, you know, if you if you're Let's say you have a project and you're not sure where to get the data or, or who to talk to. Don't be afraid to ask somebody, you know, don't be afraid to network within the organization to find out who does what. Ask questions, make phone calls, do research, get on your company portal, find out. You know, I'm lucky I work for a huge company. We have great information available at our fingertips. I can go onto my company portal and I can look up someone's name. It even has their LinkedIn bio. It has everything there that I want to know about that person. So there's really no excuse these days. A lot of companies have that kind of information. And if you're in a small company, it's even easier. So I just kind of veered off track a little bit. But um, I, I, I'm excited about that because that's going to give you an opportunity to also meet other people and to get to learn more about the company and some of the problems and use cases that we have that, that our company is facing. They, they're using this hackathon as an opportunity to get people engaged and to use you know data science and some of these other things to potentially tackle problems that we don't necessarily get to do on a day-to-day basis because we're all busy with our jobs. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm excited about that. Another another really good way to meet people and learn more about the company. So volunteer. Wow. Volunteer <laughs> in your company. Don't be afraid. Jump in. <laughs> Sounds awesome. It sounds like you really enjoy what you're doing. So I'm very happy for you. That's very cool. Um, for somebody who's listening to this and is like super ignited and wants <laughs> wants to also be in a role like yours, because it does sound very exciting. Um, this might be a tough question, but where do you find them? Like this is not your standard data science, data scientist role or your standard business intelligence role that you see advertised, uh, you know, on Seek or Indeed or Glassdoor, wherever. Um, how... How would one go about finding these roles, which I, I find I think are quite quite unique to come across? Well, I found this role just, and this isn't always the way you know people are finding jobs these days. Is I I found the role uh, through I think LinkedIn, LinkedIn careers, uh, you mm-hmm. know the, the jobs on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. um, and you know I try to be I try to be very strategic in my job search. Um, so you know not just 
sending a resume to everybody and, and not just applying to every job I see, but really thinking about the, 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 the type of job that I wanted to do. So I think, you know, it's reading the job description and really understanding, you know, what it is that, that you bring to the table. But if you're a hiring manager, I think you may have been asking also from, say, a hiring manager perspective, how do you find these people? Um, again, I, you can't underestimate the power of LinkedIn. I think these days it's all about networking. Um, and that's not just a catchphrase. I think it's like I said, it goes into, you know, how do you talk to people? Like, unfortunately, I get a lot of, I get a lot of messages on LinkedIn from people that are looking for jobs that they, their very first message to me is, I need a job. I, you know, how can you help me find a job? I'm like, I, I don't know you. I don't, I don't even know the first thing to say, like how I can help you. So I think it's, it's understanding that you have to know yourself first. You have to know what it is you bring to the table. And like I said, don't just don't just approach every relationship as this person can do something for me. What can I do for this mm-hmm. person? What can I do for this mm-hmm. company? Understanding the company's needs and their problems and challenges before you, you even get to the table and before you even contact someone to network with them is really, really important. Um, and I, I just think being creative. It's really, really important to be creative these mm-hmm. days. And don't just look in the normal places. Um, go to meetups. Go to meetups, you know, t- talk to people that um, do what it is that you want to do. Ask them for, uh, you know, advice on what it is you should be reading, what it is you should be, what kind mm-hmm. of projects, you know, you should be working on. So, um, again, I hope that kind of, you know, gets to what you were looking for. But I think, you know, you, there's a lot of challenges these days because especially with COVID, people are working from home. Yeah. You know, my entire interview process for this job was over Zoom. Oh, wow. It was none of it was in person. And, you know, and I was working, I was talking to multiple companies. And so I was actually got to a multiple offer situation. Um, In this case, they didn't ask me to do any kind of test. But another company, it was a a very, very large healthcare system in Texas asked me to do a a test. And and so I was, it was basically a project where I did, I used R. And so, you know, you you just have to learn to be flexible and you have to adjust to what the current environment is, is really, um, you know, it's just a different job environment than it was several years ago. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Thank you. That's that's good advice. Um, uh, how, uh, but what what I was actually after is how does one? What are the telltale signs of a role like this, right? So if I'm reading a job description, um, how do I know that it will be a fun and diverse role with a lot of uncertainty? Like it, basically, it will be an analytics support function. What are the telltale signs of an analytic support function role because they're not labeled analytic support function right right how do you not confuse it with just your uh not not just but like how do you not confuse it with a business intelligence role where you you just build dashboards which is a great role but not exactly what you're doing this is different or how do you not confuse it with a data scientist role like what what is a giveaway that you can tell from the job description that oh that's the role that that jennifer is doing right well i i think um, in my case, there were not a lot of technical skills listed. Yeah. It was more, it was more around, and again, this is interesting for the area that I work in because I, you know, I work within an auto risk area. So it's a very broad function, but because of the way it was worded and it required me doing presentations, talked a lot about presentations and supporting our partners. Mm-hmm. So our partners in the traditional, in the traditional sense, you think of someone going into a dealership and buying a car, maybe Carol needs a, you know, needs a new car. Well, the partners that we're working with, we're actually provide we're private labeling an auto finance program for them. So Aston Martin, Maserati, McLaren, you know, Jaguar, Land Rover, they're coming to us and say, us and say we need Chase to provide our financing. 
pr- mm-hmm. platform. Mm-hmm. So when I saw a lot of that in the job description, mm-hmm. I knew immediately, first of all, from my sales and marketing background, that it was going to be a unique opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. I had that auto finance background, a very broad auto finance background around so across sales, marketing, operations, risk, et cetera, that I had a, that broad sort of under, that understanding. But I don't think there's going to it's it's going to be difficult unless you've been working for a long time and you've gotten used to reading job descriptions. You start to you ha- you start to learn based on your experience. When you see a job description, you start to learn what it is that job is really going to entail. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. interesting you should actually ask this at this point in time because I had my first what we call a check-in with my manager a couple of weeks ago and I asked him so how am I doing so far is this is this is this what you expected and and he kind of asked me too is this what you expected and I said I said first of all he said I, the reason I hired you is because I needed somebody to be able to get in front of executives. He mm-hmm. said I, I know you he said I know you it's chops that that didn't worry me. I needed somebody that could get in front of executives and actually had the business documents. And that's super, super important. So you're not going to always see soft skills. You're not going to see like a big blaring, you know, neon sign that says that the person needs soft skills for this role. But if you don't see a lot of technical skills listed, that's probably a good, a good mm-hmm. indicator that you need to have this broader spectrum of skills, some soft skills, right? But when he, when he asked me um, about, you know, whether or not the role was what I thought it would be, I said, yeah, this is exactly what I thought it would be. It's more, it's, it's a broader, it's a broader role than just, you know, being a, a BI or an analyst. Mm-hmm. type of, of person. Yeah, you'll probably only be doing about, you know, maybe 40% of your time will be pulling data. Mm-hmm. The other 60% is going to be, you know, working with executives, understanding our policy, building business case, you know, doing deep dives into data when needed to support that policy, right? Not necessarily being the lead on that project. So the job descriptions, a lot of times, I don't even trust job descriptions. <laughs> One of the first things I ask somebody if I get a call from a recruiter is please tell me what the day-to-day of this role really looks like. Mm-hmm. That should be first questions in an interview situation is what is what does the day-to-day really look like for this role? Talk me through a typical day. If you don't know, can I go talk to somebody on the team who's been doing it for about <laughs> six months? I'd yeah. like to understand what's really involved. And usually they're, you know, I have to answer that question because they want that role. Um, and then I always ask what that first 90 days is going to look like. You know, is there going to be a big learning curve? What can I bring to the table and start the job? Is it going to be a lot of soft skills? Is Am I going to get to pull data or am I going to be sitting at a desk, you know, building charts all day or building presentations? And so it's yeah. just really important to ask those things because the job description is not going to tell you everything. Awesome. Thank you. Solid advice. Love it. Uh, look out for the quant amount. The, probably the, the, the easiest first step is look out for the amount of technical skills listed on the job description. If there isn't a lot, then you might be looking at a analytic support function role. That's very good. Thank you very much. Um, yep. On that note, let's switch shift gears a little bit and talk about DataSense Go, one of uh, the events that uh, the event. Well, the event that we run. There's of course lots of other data science events out there. We've got DataSense Go Virtual Number Two coming up, twenty uh, fourth, twenty fifth October. Um, I believe you attended Data Science. So you've attended two live Data Science Goes, 2018-2019, and you've attended Data Science Go Virtual, the first one this year. How is your experience at Data Science Go Virtual? Oh my gosh. First of all, I had very high expectations because I've been to two in-person ones and they were just like phenomenal. Like you know how I feel about it. I've told you and, and you've asked me questions about my experience before, and I'm happy to go into that in more detail, but I just have very high expectations. 
But I also knew with COVID and with everybody having to get creative technology that, you know, this was probably going to be, I mean, obviously your first time out, I thought, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Carol does this because I, and I know how you are just from knowing you from afar, you have very high expectations of yourself. You don't, yeah. you don't do anything. I just, I was so curious how this was going to be pulled off. I was like, this is going to be interesting. And from the minute I turned it on, I thought he did it. He did it. <laughs> and there was just energy. And and I think from it, for those, for those people that are listening that were at the 2000 DSGO and then were at the 2019, you know, there was kind of a, there was a different format, right? And I know that you were kind of testing that out and see, especially as more people were coming, you wanted to make sure that you were appealing to everybody. And that's a hard job to do. And so, um, you know, in that first DSGO 2018, though, with the live high, high energy, I told you earlier to a rock concert. And I kind of saw you as a sort of, you know, here, here's the, here's the head rock guy right here. You know, and I'm, <laughs> I'm just a groupie, you know, I'm just, I'm just here to, to carry his bags or, you know, whatever, but, um, yeah. And then 2019 was just kind of, it was, it was different, but it was, it was definitely more, um, it was larger. So it was, it was more of an emphasis on just getting everybody in and out of the different sessions, making sure everybody had the right, you know, you, you were kind of balancing, you know, all the different people that were attending and making sure that you had the right speakers. And it was, it was a ton of good, just, it was a different networking event than it was than the first one. So coming back to virtual, I thought, okay, this is, this is just really going to be interesting. And it, the, the thing started, all, you had the music, you had the energy, you know, and then when you came out and spoke, I thought, this is really cool. He's pulling it off. <laughs> He's pulling it off. And then you had on the side, you had all, you know, the, he had the chat going and everybody was just getting so pumped up. I'm talking the chat on the side, you know, you had the big screen and then you had the chat on the side. Everybody was just getting so excited. You know, we were kind of, kind of, you know, building off of each other's experience. People on there, on there had that live experience and some people didn't. So I just thought it was phenomenal. I mean, I just, again, I had very, very high expectations and I'm one of those people I'm going to tell you if I don't like something, I have, I really don't have a filter. It's something I have to work on, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just loved it. Awesome. That's really cool. What did you think of the, uh, and thank you. I first, I want to say, you you say he pulled it off. He pulled it off. I I am honored to be working for a really great team, uh, the Data Science Go team, who are able to put these together. So it's of course it's it's they they're the ones who pulled it off. I'm I'm just really happy to be there. Um, did, what did you think of the networking sessions? Because that was like a feature uh, we were very excited to bring uh, to the community. The speed speed networking. What did you think of that? Right. I thought it was cool. I was, I found myself kind of like wishing I had more time with a few people. Um, but it, what was really neat about it and, and I, you know, it was hard to kind of keep up with everybody, but what I found is a lot of people were doing the networking and then they were taking the person's name down. And then I was, I'd have LinkedIn at a time on my other screen and I would get, be getting all these pings, all of these connection requests from people to with. Mm -hmm. So people were using it at the same time. And that's what's really cool about this new format, right? So if you're, if we were at the live event, you know, you'd have your phone and you'd have, you know, you'd have your little QR code, your LinkedIn QR code, and you know, walk around and you get to know people and you kind of scan in their information. But this way, it was just, I mean, ping, ping, ping. All these people were just, you know, the minute you network with somebody, I, I was just amazed at how quickly people were getting enthusiastic and trying to form those relationships. They wanted to continue that after the event. And that was evident them doing that. So I thought that was super cool. That's yeah, fantastic. I, I also met quite a few interesting people from 
from random places in in uh, on Earth, and that was very inspiring as well. What was your favorite uh, a talk and workshop? Um, I really liked. Mich- I, I'm probably gonna botch her last. God, Godette, God, Godette. Oh, Godette. She did the tableau. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Godette. Um, and of course, I love because I like the hands-on stuff. I'm really into the opportunity. I lo- and that's why the workshops that we have the day before at the live events is you get that opportunity to be very hands-on and you do actual walkthroughs of coding or Tableau or I've always loved your workshops. Um, the other one, I, I just I just love when Haviland talks about deep learning or Python. He's so passionate about his topic. It's all the difference when you have a, a speaker that is yeah. really passionate about what they're speaking about. So I love hearing I me mean, he took a deep dive literally into deep learning you know no pun mm-hmm. intended there he really talked depth about his topic and so that was really really interesting we went from you know that to tableau so it was a very kind of a wide range i didn't get participate as much the second day um but i tried to do some like i said the networking and i loved the first night we had like a happy hour you had all these different like happy hour networking and they get on with one get on one of those and uh, Monica K. Roybal was on there. Yeah. Um, there were several people that I hadn't met at all before or even had a chance to speed networking. So that was fun. So we had Zoom. We had the Zoom format, you know, with several people on the screen. And we'd all just get, to, you know, we had, there was a moderator, a person that would talk through different subjects. But at one point he said, well, gosh, you know, what do you guys want to talk about? And so it just, yeah. it went off to all these different t- directions, you know, everything from career advice. I know I spent a few minutes talking about my experience, giving some advice, you know, to freshers on, you know, career stuff and projects and all that stuff. But anyway, it was just cool because I, it's something, like I said, I think it's tough to pull off, especially when you've had two events as a benchmark, people are probably looking into that. Those of us that had attended were interested in how you were going to do that. And I just thought it was, it was phenomenal. I'm looking forward to the next one coming up. I think it's going to be even better. You're coming, you're coming on the 24th of October. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, we'll see you there. What, what What's your advice to someone listening to this podcast who's like on the fence? Like, I don't know. It's, you know, investment. It, it Like for me, it's like it's become even easier with COVID. Right? Like there's a lot of unfortunate things, of course, about COVID. But with these virtual events, like you do it from home, right? You attend from home. It's a free event. Uh, you don't have to pay anything. You don't have to go anywhere. You just rock up. You switch your computer on. And let's say someone's listening to the podcast, like, oh, you know, like, I don't know if I, like, uh, it's quite a lot of time. I got to invest time and you got a whole weekend, not a whole weekend, like uh, half, two half days on the weekend, invest into this. Uh, so that they have doubts about attending a virtual data science event. What would your advice to them be? Well, I think everybody, first of all, I would say everybody's having to adjust this new, this new period of life that we're in. Um, and one of the things you have to do is, like I said earlier, is learn to be flexible. Um, you know, if you're, if you're going to in this, in this field, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of ways to learn, right? So you've got podcasts, you've got conferences, you've got, you know, networking and building projects, but you can't virtual conferences are just, that's just another, another avenue to do this, right? You don't have to do it all weekend. Like you said, I couldn't participate as much the second day. And I'm, you know, I'm uh, uh, sad I couldn't do that, but I had some other personal obligations at that time. Um, you can do an hour or two here. You can do the networking. You can dip your feet in the first day and see what you think about it. Maybe the first day you're not able to really participate as much, but the second day you're able to. I think it depends on what a person's schedule is, but I I just don't think there's any harm in trying. There's there's really no excuse not. I mean, on a weekend especially, there's no, I mean, unless you've got something already going. But in COVID or during this time, 
you know, there's really not a lot that you can do. So if you're going to be home, I mean, I spend my time on the weekends learning as much as I can. I really try to dedicate as much time as I can to, to learning, you know, whether it's continuing to work on certain programming languages or whatever I've got on that's on my list of things that I'm currently working on the certificates that you talked mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. It's just another opportunity to learn. So, mm-hmm. and if you're on the fence, reach out to me, mm-hmm. reach out to somebody who's been there before. Um, you can go on the website. I've been to the DSGO website a couple times recently when I signed up for the virtual conference, there's a list of former speakers. Look, look at those people. Look what, you know, look at, um, talk to people that have been there. Um, you know, there's a lot of people in the data science community. They're very, very to share their experiences. Ask them what they thought about the virtual conference. Like I said, ping me if you're on the fence, and I'm happy to talk about it in more detail. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Really appreciate it. And we're aiming for, I think, four to 5,000 people this time. So uh, it'll be fun. It'll wow. be fun to see, see everyone. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and you mentioned a bit about uh, helping. Uh, beginners and uh, uh, you know, like people, like people coming to you with questions. You helping out people. You even wrote an article recently about how to get into data science. Um, let's talk about that for a little bit. What um, what questions do you get uh, from beginners uh, who are getting into data science? And what advice do you normally give? Especially like what you were able to summarize in that article. I think that was very valuable. Oh, thank you very much. Um, well, the first thing I always get from a programming perspective is, you know, R versus Python. What do I learn? Or which, what should I think? And I first, I always say, don't think of it as either or. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to my hashtag, think outside the data. These are all tools. Mm-hmm. I always compare R and Python or whether it's Tableau or Power BI. These are tools in your toolbox. And if I'm going to build something at home, I want to build a piece of furniture. Sometimes I'm going to need a flathead screwdriver and sometimes I need a Phillips head screwdriver. You know, you're going to need different tools for the job. So don't, I tell people immediately get out of the mindset of thinking R versus Python. The second thing I do is I say, uh, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Take an inventory of what it is that you think that um, you're good at and what, what you need to work on. And look at job descriptions, like we talked about earlier. So let's say you're new to the area. Let's say you're just getting to data science and you don't really know where to start. Look at some job descriptions that out there that trust you. Find out what it is that they're looking for. Take a personal story of what your experience is. What transferable skills do you have? Maybe you've got some great skills. Maybe you've done presentations, sales like I was in my past. Maybe you don't need to work as much on, on those things. It's the programming you need to work on, maybe utilization skills. Maybe it's like like we talked about, kind of getting to that on, the, on that scale, that Gartner scale. Take some machine learning courses. Talk to people who have done this before. Start networking people that are, you know, in the space that, that are doing the things that you do and learn from them. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent of MOOCs. I'm a big proponent of the type that you offer at Super Data Science. These are things that you can take quickly on the go, on the fly, or own pace. They're affordable and they're flexible. So let's say you, and I did a lot of this when I was looking for a new job. I looked at my own skill set and I looked, and you talked about all those recent certifications. I thought about what is it that I need to be thinking about when I'm interviewing? Okay, well, for my current job, I knew I was going to have to learn SAS again. Mm-hmm. I'd taken SAS, I'd, I'd used SAS in my past, 
but SAS a lot of love these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Most people are talking about R and Python, so I thought I'd better brush up on my skills. So, you know, it's understanding for your particular moment in time what it is you need to be focused, always thinking in the future, what is it that I need to do to continue to grow my skills and, and my and my career. And um, you know, thing on that. But then there's also the whole, like you talked about interview process, the resume, and making sure that you have have strong LinkedIn profile. Um, I get people like me a lot that say, you know, who should I talk to about my will you review my resume for me? I'm always happy to review people's resumes. I do that as much as I can. Um, but one of the things I always work with a professional resume writer. It's worth every single penny if you can find a good person to do it. And I know a couple of people, so I'm happy to refer refer those folks if they come to me and they ping me after this after this podcast. Um, always have a professional LinkedIn picture. A professional LinkedIn photo will go um, just very, very far in terms of attracting the right people to your profile. And projects, you know, making sure that you're constantly, don't just take courses, don't just, you know, um, read, don't just listen to podcasts, actually do projects. And I don't have to tell you this, Carol, I mean, it's important to have a good GitHub, um, you know, to have, you know, at least some, at least a Tableau public if you're doing visualization, right? I mean, you need to have something out there that you can refer people to. Amazing. Thank you. That's, that's uh, a great uh, variety of advice for for different aspects and um especially i like the deciding on what it is that you want to be doing in data science i think that's very important a lot of people just want to do data science but i think you wrote in your article which we'll definitely include in the show notes uh data science is extremely broad there's so many different areas of data science you could get into that uh you might get into one and hate it and get into another and you love it so um, it's very important to, I like how you said, understand what are your strengths and then tailor your career towards that. Um, so yeah, so that's definitely some, some, uh, something people should be doing. What, what would you say, um, somebody who's like just, just starting out has no idea about what areas of data science even exist. Where can they find, find more about that, out more about that? Because again, I think at a very, very basic fundamental level, there's still a lot of confusion around what data science really is. Um, there's so many different areas of science. Some people, and, and you may disagree, and there may be people that listen to this that may disagree, but um, I, the way I learned about it, Carol, is I listened to people like you, I listened to your podcast, um, I read, I just picked up whatever article I could find on data science. And I also found a great podcast aside from the one that, that I, that you do. There's another, there's a gentleman named Tyler Ranelli. He's called machine learning guide or the machine learning guide. I learned a lot from his podcast too, just in terms of the overall, what is data science, you know, all the different aspects, you know, from, from, you know, uh, supervised learning to unsupervised learning to machine learning and AI. And, you know, he kind of breaks it down and he does a wonderful job throughout his podcast series of, of going through all of that. So in my opinion, I think the best place to start is to, you know, talk to people, like I said, who are doing it, read, read articles, find, find trusted resources and listen to people like you have been doing this for a long, long time. You've got people that are guests on your podcast that have been, that have been doing this for a while, but, and there are other podcasts, like I said, too, like Mm -hmm. Tyler's podcast that that really helped me. So the way I break it down is I look at data science, just, 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 just to say, I look at it as a very broad, you know, continuum of, of disciplines that fall underneath a data science umbrella. Yes, there's sort of this unicorn or purple squirrel, if, it, if you will, 
that has the full tech stack, right, of all the different, you know, all of these things that fall into this continuum. Maybe this, there's a, a mythical individual out there that has all of these different skills, right? They can hmm. they can program in Java and, you know, they know Hadoop, they know Spark, they know TensorFlow, they know Keras, they know Python, they know R, they know C. I mean, there's, I guess there's someone like that out there. Yeah. I never met them though, right? Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's just understanding, you know, you can go to Wikipedia. I mean, there's, I mean, I'm not, I've always, I've always been told not to really trust Wikipedia too much, but you know, go out and read just these broad, read, read the available out there. There's a lot of different subjects under that data science number. You know, I think of it as, you know, data engineering, data analytics, data visualization, machine learning, and then you've got all of these different sub, you know, disciplines that fall on top of that. And I, I know, I think one of the people on LinkedIn that asked you a question about actuarial, actuarial science, excuse me. I'm not, I, that's the out of my area of expertise, um, but actuarial science is certainly, a, I would think each of these base disciplines would, certain, would certainly draw off of. So having that mathematics, having that statistics, there's all these things that sort of fall on top of that and are also subdomains. So all of these things work together. There's no one particular area that you can say, oh, well, this is what a data scientist does. It's a very broad umbrella. And I, and I almost wish the term would go away. <laughs> I really hope at some point we get back to, you know, the brass tacks of, yeah. you know, this is what I do. This, you know, I analyze data. I help exec, my, what I tell people is I, I use data to help executives make better decisions and drive sales. Yeah. But yeah. that's not difficult, right? Yeah. But, you know, what, you read a job description about a data scientist and it looks like they're asking for, you know, Einstein and, you know, um, Galileo, Newton not thrown into one, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, that's not what exec, I don't think that's what companies are looking for. They may put that in the job description, but I think there's a lot of confusion about it. You know, I, I, I hope that people that are starting in the space will talk to people who have already done this stuff and we'll just ask them pointed questions about what is it that you actually do? I, I do sometimes on LinkedIn. What is it that you actually do on a day-to-day basis? And I, I actually answered someone's e- email this week about that. I just think, you know, learning from people that are doing it is the best way to start out. Love it. It almost feels like, it actually feels like a person starting out should spend, I don't know, one to three months not doing any actions at all in terms of looking for jobs or in terms of like directing their career in a certain way, but just like listen, read, um, research about the area and get enough information first, uh, what, what is available and then only start, okay, well, I think this is the right path for me. So like not rushing is a good Good advice. I think. I think some people feel really pressured right now in this current job climate. If you're out of a job, you know, I, 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 you know, there are a lot of people out there that want to help. And so, you know, you may feel pressured to make some of these decisions very quickly. That's why I said, talk to people, reach out to the data science community. People will help you. You know, I think that's, that's the best thing to say. Absolutely. And you can reach out to people like Jennifer, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm happy to help. Awesome. Okay, Jennifer. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, a very, very exciting conversation. I loved learning about this uh, decision, uh, so analytic support function. Um, before you go, where can our listeners connect with you? What's the best places to get in touch and maybe ask you some follow-up questions or just follow the things that you do? Definitely LinkedIn. We can start there and I'm happy to. Um, I've also been scheduling Zoom calls with people from time to time. I, I try to admit I can. It just depends on my work schedule, but I'm happy to to pick a, another format of, of just Discussion or comment, you know, community LinkedIn, you know, ends up going somewhere else after that. Awesome, thank you. Uh, and uh, yeah, I love that about you that you, you just want to help people all the time 
I, I just hope you have enough free time for yourself as well. I try. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, one final question, and that's the book. What book would you like to recommend to our uh, listeners to help them in their careers? Yeah, so I read a. I had a book that I had to read back in my MBA program. It's called um, The Fifth Discipline. It's an old, older book by a gentleman by the name of Peter Senge. Mm-hmm. And I can that with you for you to put in your show notes. Um, it, it gets into this idea of what's called a learning organization. And more importantly, it gets into systems thinking. And what I talked briefly earlier, which is, you know, mental models and how we look at the world and how we process information through our biases or through different experiences we've had. That, it, it kind of ties to another book. So I have to kind of mention them together. There's kind of a modern version called the, the Model Thinker by Scott Page. Uh-huh. And I'll share both of them. What Scott does is he goes more, he goes more into the modern aspects of it as it relates to data and how we look at different models and mathematics to examine complex business problems. So I'll share both of those with you. Awesome. Gotcha. So The Fifth Discipline by Peter Gay and The Model Thinker by Scott Page. We'll put those on the show notes. I haven't heard of those books before, but uh, thank you for the recommendation. And uh, we'll definitely include them in the show notes. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a long time coming and I'm really excited that you uh, came onto this podcast and as you said close close the loop and thank you for sharing all the insights and i look forward to seeing your data sense go virtual thank you carol it's been a pleasure i really appreciate it so there you have it i hope you enjoyed this podcast and uh, enjoyed getting to know jennifer if you'd like to connect make sure to hit her up on linkedin we'll of course include uh the url in the show notes my favorite part of this podcast was getting to know about this analytics support function. I think it's a really cool role, which uh, isn't talked much about. It's it's not the hardcore data science where you code uh, and uh, create predictive models and uh, you're all like in the code, in the modeling, in the building evaluation of models. Uh, so And at the same time, it's also not a pure business intelligence role because though in those roles you kind of expect more predictability in terms of what you're going to be doing, in terms of the uh, analytics, the insights that you need to uh, deliver. This is kind of an ad hoc business intelligence, a fast-paced, dynamic, um, uncertain, but also fun in that way type of role uh, where you need to work a lot of people, a lot with people. And I love what Jennifer said that uh, the way to spot these in terms of uh, job descriptions is uh, look, if you can tell that about 40% or less than half your time is going to be technical and more than half your time is going to be working with people, working with reports, uh, presentation skills, networking and so on, then you have a chance that this is that type of role. So if you enjoyed that, that's uh, one of the ways to find these roles. And uh, as usual, you can find the show notes with more information about the things we spoke about at superdatascience.com slash 411. That's superdatascience.com slash 411. Uh, there you'll find the transcript for this episode, plus any materials. We mentioned on the show books, the URL to Jennifer's LinkedIn, and uh, things like that. So check it out. And finally, if you know somebody who is starting out into the space of data science and this type of role sounds like it would suit their personality, like they love working with people, um, they have technical skills, but they don't want to focus too heavily on the technical skills. They want to be able to support people. They want to be able to Uh, create interesting insights and they also want that variety in their work and predictability 
then send them this episode. This might be the perfect role for them, and this is the place for them to find more, find out more about it, about the analytics support function. Very easy to share. Just send them the link, superdatascience.com slash 411. And finally, finally, make sure to come to Data Science Go Virtual. If you are available on the 24th, 25th of October, very soon, it's uh, probably the coming weekend when you're hearing this podcast, it's, it's, or when this podcast goes live, it's the coming weekend. We'd love to see you there. The general admission tickets are free. Just go to datasciencego.com slash virtual and register for your uh, ticket there today. And we'll see you uh, on Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be a lot of fun. There'll be networking, great talks, great speakers, great workshops. So come join in and let's learn together. I look forward to seeing you at Data Science Go Virtual. And until next time, happy analyzing. Mm -hmm.